Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This is a familiar verse. We can probably quote it, at least the beginning of it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 in the New King James, it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation. Say no condemnation. <clears throat> no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's a qualifier. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what's the answer for being free from condemnation? Being in Christ Jesus, being a part of his kingdom, being part of his family, being part of his uh, uh, faith, finding faith and assurance in Jesus, being in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that when we are born again or when we're saved, we are a new creation in Christ is literally what uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, new creation in Christ. That means that your old life is buried or done away with, and you come to a new life in Christ. In Christ is your identity. In Christ is who you are. And so now when you come into the kingdom of God, your job is to find out who you are. I heard one minister say one time that the Holy Spirit will introduce you to the new you. That's his job. He wants you to discover, man, what your potential is, who God has destined you to be. It's a discovery. You're on a journey. You're still, I mean, I don't care if you've been following God 50 years, you're still on an adventure, still on a journey of discovering who God has created you to be. Becoming new in the kingdom means that there's a, a, a discovery taking place, hope being found, faith that is challenged. But all in all, there's a new life waiting for me. Anybody want that new life? So this tells me that for the believer, for, I mean, think about it. Paul is giving us this warning for those who are in Christ. That's the qualifier. But it tells me that when I come to new life in Christ, one of the main things I will have to combat is condemnation. He wouldn't be telling me to watch out for condemnation if condemnation wasn't something that would try to grip me, grab a hold of me. This is what condemnation is. Condemnation is not the sin itself. It's the reminder of the sin. So the enemy realizes if he can't keep you from the sin, if he can't keep you lost, if he can't keep you in darkness, then he will keep you from enjoying the new life. He will keep you from discovering who you really are. He'll keep you from finding out what your potential is. He'll keep you, and he does this through condemnation. Because even though you may not literally be in darkness, 
you will keep remembering the darkness, recalling the darkness, reminded of the darkness, and you'll never live free even though the jail door is wide open. That's what condemnation does. Condemnation is what you do to keep someone bound that is actually free. That's what, this, that's what this device is used for. That's why this condemnation, uh, that's why he's saying there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning, condemnation should not grip Christians. Condemnation should have no place in the life of the believer. If you have been brought to new life, if you have been brought from darkness into light, if you have been brought into the kingdom of God, if you have separated from darkness, you have committed your life over to Christ, then the number one thing you're going to have to combat is condemnation from what the past did. Condemnation is a reminder of who you used to be. So here's what you need to know. The enemy, the devil, Satan, he will uh, uh, always use this tactic to keep you from what's in front of you. Condemnation comes from the enemy, from the devil, to keep you from what's in front of you. If I can't keep you from accepting the new life, I can keep you from living the new life. And so many believers are satisfied with a prayer. So many believers are satisfied, content with, well, I, I go to church. I, condemnation comes to people that go to church. Condemnation comes to people that read their Bible. Come to, condemnation comes to people that have prayed the prayer of salvation. Condemnation comes to people that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues. Condemnation comes to people, why? Because the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says there is therefore, meaning that there are, uh, this is a connecting verse to what is ahead of it, and he just got done giving us a discord in chapter four, uh, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven of the new life in Christ versus the old life in sin. And he follows all that up with verse one of chapter eight, there is therefore now no condemnation. He's just got done talking about how through one man sin entered the world, but through one man life came. He just got done talking about how sin no longer can reign over you. He just got done talking about even though my spirit wants to do this, my flesh wants to do this, and the thing that I don't want to do, I do, and the thing that I want to do, I don't do. He just got done going over this discourse in four, five, six, and seven, and now he comes to the conclusion of all the sin and of all the missteps and of all the mishaps that are behind you and maybe even in front of you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do not allow the enemy to trick you from the new life that you have found in Christ. Here's something that you can also know. If the enemy always uses this tactic, the Holy Spirit will never use this tactic. The Holy Spirit will challenge you, yes, correct you, yes, teach you, yes, lead you, yes, guide you, yes. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has come to convict. 
But the Holy Spirit will never use condemnation. The second you, look, we have to be better at identifying condemnation, voices of condemnation, thoughts of condemnation, spirits of condemnation, burdens of condemnation. We've got to be quick to identify these and eradicate them immediately. Do not dwell on thoughts of condemnation. Do not allow voices around you of condemnation. He's giving a warning to believers. He's saying there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, he's saying you should be far from condemnation. It will try to come. It will try to latch itself to you. But you should not live in condemnation. You should not live with the burden and the weight of what has been or what you have done or where you've been or what you have yet to accomplish or what you have not done yet. And, the, and look, it doesn't matter where you're at in your walk or your journey. The enemy is going to try to bring condemnation. It, if you think about it, it's really the only tool that he has. It's really the only tool that he has. It's the only way that he can get into the life of the believer. Because when you hand your life over to God, you are separating yourself from the life of darkness. So the only way the enemy can even get into your life, I talk to believers all the time that are dealing with condemnation, dealing with condemning thoughts or feeling uh, inadequacy. And, and, and condemnation shows up in so many different veils. The enemy doesn't always just get in your face and say, hey, remember that sin that you committed yesterday? Hey, remember when you used to be this horrible person? Remember all those things you used to do? Sometimes it's just the feeling of insufficiency. Sometimes it's just a, a, a weight that you can't accomplish what's in front of you. It doesn't always have to deal with your past. Sometimes it's just this deficiency, just this feeling of lack and this feeling of not enough and this feeling of I can't. That's condemnation. And you have to be able to recognize immediately that's not from God. God would never give me that thought. God will never tell you what you can't do. God will never come to you and say, uh, you can't get, you can, you're not good enough. <laughs> you got to be able to recognize these things. That's not God. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he defines those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What he's saying is, is when I came out of darkness, I lived according to my flesh, meaning my natural desires, they gave in. They, they took control. I lived by impulse. I lived by whatever my flesh wanted to do. I lived by whatever felt good. I lived by what I wanted to do. I didn't consider God's word. I didn't consider God's way. I didn't consider God's plan. I didn't consider anyone else. I lived according to myself. That's the flesh. But now he says, you've come to the kingdom. 
You've committed your life to Christ, which means you're, you're, you've changed agendas. You've changed plans. Somebody else is calling the shots. You're, getting your, you're giving your life over to Christ, and you're living according to the Spirit. That's a capital S, the Holy Spirit. Now you're living according to what the Holy Spirit wants. You know, the Holy Spirit's got so many great things for you. You know, the Holy Spirit knows your life, has it mapped out, charted out in front of you. The steps of the righteous man have been ordered of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is never going to take you somewhere that's dangerous. The Holy Spirit's never going to take you somewhere that takes you away from God's plan. The Holy Spirit's never going to guide you and direct you from things that go against his word. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come and he will confirm the words that I'm telling you and uh, remind you of the words that I've given you. And I tell you right now, the Holy Spirit knows his job and he knows how to do it well. He knows his job description. He knows his assignment and he knows how to get it done. The Holy Spirit is not in our lives trying to figure it out. The Holy Spirit is, well, let's hope we get it right this time. No, the Holy Spirit knows where you need to live. The Holy Spirit knows who you need to marry. The Holy Spirit knows how to raise teenagers. The Holy Spirit knows how to be a dad, even though you didn't have a dad. The Holy Spirit knows how to be a good husband, even though you never saw that modeled in front of you. The Holy Spirit knows how to work this job, own this business, run these finances, take care of your own. The Holy Spirit knows how to do all of it. And if you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. So the Holy Spirit living according to the Spirit keeps us free from falling into the trap of condemnation. One of the indicators that we're not living according to the Spirit, meaning making a priority of the Spirit and His plan and His agenda, is condemnation seems overwhelming. Now it comes, but when you start to give in to those thoughts of condemnation and start to feel Start to feel inadequate, start to feel insufficient, start to feel like you're not his, start to feel like you're not chosen, start to feel like you're not blessed, start to feel like you're not favored, then that's an indication. I'm not walking in step with the spirit of God as I ought to be. He goes on to say in verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So now he kind of gives us a little bit of a behind the scenes, if you will, a backstory. Condemnation comes because there is sin and death. Condemnation is a result of sin and death. If you have never sinned, then guess what? You'll never experience condemnation. But we've all sinned. We can go ahead and check that box off. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory or the weight of God in his full reign, who he is. So all have sinned, therefore all have opportunity for condemnation. Condemnation comes as a result of sin and death entering the world. We can go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And we know what happened here. This is where it all went wrong. This is where it all went haywire. One decision. In Genesis chapter 3, we know man sinned, man fell. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. 
And in verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Notice all of those elements show selfish internal decisions. It, 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 it's all about me. It's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. The first thing they did together and made themselves coverings. The first thing they did was to cover. Condemnation always puts you in a position to cover. Condemnation always puts you in a position to hide and conceal. Condemnation doesn't say, let me show, let me reveal. God wanted his creation, you and I, to be a reflection and a revelation of who he is. But condemnation came in, sin showed up, Adam and Eve sinned, but right there, the door was open for condemnation. Condemnation came in as a result of the sin and ultimately the death that took place, the spiritual death, the separation. What did God say? If you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. That's death. That separation took place right that instant. Not physically, but spiritually separated from God, death showed up in that relationship. Death showed up in that purpose. And now, here's what happens. Sin is in your past, but here's why the enemy brings in condemnation. Because the enemy is not uh, uh, content with destroying your past. He wants to make sure you are robbed of your future. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All three of them. He doesn't just say, I'll steal from Chris, and I'm going to kill Daryl, and I'm going to destroy Jerry Ann. He says, I'm going to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal. He's not just content with robbing you of your past. Well, I don't care what they do from here on out. At least I got them back here. No, he's going to make sure that your past is carried into your future. And that's what condemnation does. Con uh, condemnation is the, is the transport, is the avenue through which your past is carried into your future. Condemnation shows up. The enemy says, I'm going to keep in your remembrance, and I'm going to keep you recalling, and I'm going to keep you from walking out the things of God that are ahead of you by using the things that you did behind you. And so now he uses the past of all have sinned and fallen short. He uses the past of remember what you did. He uses the past of remember when that death showed up. And he says, I'm going to make sure it keeps you from ever fulfilling the plan of God. See, the, the, the devil is a big picture thinker. Sometimes we think too small. But the, the devil thinks he is, and I tell you what, he goes even further than just you. He wants to make sure not just that he takes you out, but everything you're connected to. 
He'll make sure that by taking you out, you take, he takes out your kids. He takes out your generation. He takes out your bloodline. He's after so much, man. And the only place he can work is in our mind. And the only way he can do it is through condemnation. Condemnation gives the enemy a foothold where he ought not to have any authority whatsoever. Where he shouldn't have any place. Bible tells us that if we submit to God, we can, uh, uh, fl- we, we can um, resist the devil and he will what? Flee. That word flee means to run in terror. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of you. He's more afraid of you than you are of him. And so we see this hiding, this covering that takes place. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, he always did this. He's always communing with mankind, hanging out with them, fellowshipping with him. So he's not showing up to remind them of what they just did. He's not showing up because they missed them. Sometimes, you, you know, we, we have this idea sometimes. It, it depends on your background, but I'm sure most of us have had some kind of uh, experience where we, we think God is watching over our life, and then the second we do something wrong, that's when he steps in and says, hey, I've been watching you. I'm right here. I saw that. Like he's sitting quietly in the corner or he's watching on a big television screen in the, in the monitor room or something. And the second you miss it, he comes to the door. Hey, I saw that. I, I was watching the whole time. Yeah, he sees everything. You know what else he sees? He sees when you get it right and no one else does. He sees when you're generous and you're not asking for any, anybody to, to, for recognition. He sees when you put him first. He sees what's in your heart. He sees the good with the bad. But so many times when we say, God's watching you, that's like this creepy. No, it says even what you do in, is, that is, is hidden, it will be brought to light. It's not always negative. So God's not monitoring Adam and Eve, not monitoring the garden. He doesn't have his security cameras on this tree and they trip the alarm or they cross the lasers. Do, 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 do. Fruit's been taken. No, he's just wanting to hang out and commune. He's not there to bring judgment and condemnation. That doesn't come from God. We need to understand this because it can seem like the way it's worded that, that God just showed up, all of a sudden they took the fruit. And it's like, oh, I'm here. No, he was always with them, talking with them, giving them instruction, directing them, guiding them, leading them. I'm here, all resources available to you. I'm the God of more than enough. I'm the God that wants to be with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. That's who this God is. He doesn't just show up to start casting out judgment and start handing out punishment. And hey, you shouldn't do that. Watch what God is showing up to do. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He's not stomping in like T-Rex, shaking the ground. He's just showing up as he always did. 
And Adam and his wife hid themselves because that's what condemnation does. Condemnation causes you to pull away from the very thing that is coming to restore you and save you. Look at this. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. God came right to them in the midst of their failure, in the midst. They're they're right there in the act. God came right to them, and he's still coming to us today. The presence of the Lord God is where you ought to go. And yet God said, I will take the initiative. I will be proactive. I'm coming to you in the midst of your failure, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your sin. This has separated us. We've got some work to do, but I'm coming to you to fix this thing. He could have said, get on up here. He could have said, you did what I told you not to do. Forget it. All bets are off. Deal's done. You blew it. He could have said, you're going to do this, this, and this for me. You're going to get this. You're going to work to get this back. It's not what he says. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because he wants to see the response from the man that he created. He wants to see, will he come to me recognizing he failed? Will he come to me recognizing I'm the one that can restore him? And God is still asking us, where are you? Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid for the first time they experienced fear of their creator. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, the blame game comes out. She gave me of the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, look where he starts. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. But here it is, verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The first thing God does is he gives the account of restoration. Before he hands out punishment, before he hands out, uh, you know, this is what life is going to be like because you have brought this on yourself, that still comes. Punishment is still part of it. Condemnation isn't a result of punishment. Condemnation is a result of sin. Punishment is a corrective measure. But outside of all that, God talks about restoration. God talks about how I'm going to fix this. 
God talks about how we're going to get this back the way it ought to be. That's, that this is the God that you and I serve. He's not coming with condemnation. He's not coming uh, with, with the hammer. And he goes on and he gives the account of what's, uh, what, what the woman's going to have to endure and what the man's going to have to endure. But look at this in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We just read out of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now notice this didn't qualify for Adam and Eve. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 didn't qualify. Uh, uh, Adam and Eve didn't qualify for that. Moses didn't qualify for that. David didn't qualify that. You have access to something that they didn't even have access to. We've been made free. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, so you're seeing the chain reaction, sin came through the man. That, man, that means that, that the enemy can't force sin on you. You have to voluntarily yield to sin. You are a child of the king, but you have to voluntarily give in, voluntarily yield your uh, members, the Bible says. No longer do we yield our members as sin or uh, as our bodies as members of sin, but he's saying here that through the man, sin came. Through sin, death came. Because all sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Because the law didn't show up until Moses. So uh, from Adam to Moses, they're sinning, and they don't have any kind of uh, rule book per se saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So the law shows up. Moses, uh, God through Moses brings the law into effect. And the law doesn't have the power to make you right. The law doesn't have the power to make you sinless. The law doesn't have the power to make you righteous. The law doesn't have the power uh, to cause you to not sin. It just has the ability to tell you when you do. It just has the ability to identify, you sinned. That's wrong. This is right. This is what you should have done. This is what you did. That's all it has. Doesn't have the power to make you righteous. So from Adam to, to, to Moses, death reigned. Even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift uh, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in what? Condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. That means making you right. 
Verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that Just as sin came in through one man and spread to all, righteousness, justification, life came in through one man, Jesus Christ. Notice God put a plan in motion not for you to just simply be saved from condemnation. That would be enough. That would be enough for him to die on a cross for. I could be reminded of how I blew it, but at least you took care of the sin. But no, he came in and did what he has said multiple times in this passage, much more. Much more. Not only did he take care of the sin, he took care of the power of sin over our lives and the condemnation to constantly be reminded of it, to constantly feel like we're inadequate, to constantly feel like we're insufficient, to constantly feel like we don't measure up, to constantly feel like we're just merely slaves and that God is just giving us the privilege of living in his kingdom again. You see how this is greater? greater. See, I I, I try to help people understand, especially with the grace message, the only way you can understand the power of grace is if you fully understand the power of sin. Meaning, if you dumb down sin, as our world and our culture tries to do, then guess what else has to get dumbed down? The grace that overcame the sin. So I try to help people understand. I don't have any problem explaining to you the power of sin. It's a stronghold. It's powerful. It was enough that one sin separated you from God for eternity. Powerful enough that one sin from Adam caused me to come into this world sinful. I didn't even have to perform a sin. I came in and I was already behind the the eight ball. Thank you, Adam. You blew it for all of us. But now, through God's grace, through the blood that was shed. See, what I'm trying to help you understand is Jesus endured way too much for us to live under condemnation. He went through way too much for us to live with thoughts of inadequacy, to live with thoughts. You know what I tell people that want to talk to me about how they blew it, how they missed it? Forget it. It's over. It's done. Jesus said what? It is finished. Now, do we need to put measures in our lives so we don't fall back in those cycles? Absolutely. Do we need to fully commit our lives to Christ and quit trying to run things ourselves? Absolutely. But forget what is behind. Paul said, I forget what is behind. I press on towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. I don't want to hear about your successes any more than I want to hear about your failures. That's in the past. The enemy wants to keep you bound in your past and he wants to lock up your future through condemnation. Condemnation could even be more powerful than the sin itself because even though the sin's been overcome and the sin has been done away with, we're still living with the feelings and the thoughts and the pressures and the weights and the burdens of what is in the past. We've got to be believers that are cut off from condemnation 
separated, not just from the sin itself, but from the condemnation, the condemning nature of the thoughts that come from what happened in the past. Amen? Uh, Let me show you this in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. When do you see this here? I know this is a simple word. I know there's not much to it, but I've, we, we have to understand that it's not just sin that binds us. It's not just sin that keeps us from recognizing and, and fulfilling our future. Honestly, condemnation can do more damage to your life than the sin itself. And I, we say it all the time. Jesus died for my What if we started changing that and said, Jesus died for my condemnation? What if we changed that? Instead of just telling people that he's done away with your sin, but the condemnation you're still got to struggle with for the rest of your life, what if we just go ahead and let him know he took care of the whole package? It was a package deal, and he took care of all of it in one instance. He doesn't have to go back to the cross. He doesn't have to come back to this earth. He doesn't have to shed any more blood and take any more beatings and wear any more crowns and take any more stripes. He's done it all in the one act. He took care of the sin, and he took care of the condemnation that would keep you from the future that's ahead of you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing. I want tonight our condemnation to turn into confidence. I want our condemnation to turn into an assurance. I want our, con- our condemnation to turn into a faith and a trust and a believability that there are greater things ahead of me. And I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? Jesus wasn't just interested in taking care of the stuff behind taking care of the stuff behind you. He wants you to walk into all the stuff in front of you. Please, let's not, anybody in this room, do anyone a disservice for the rest of our Christian lives by telling them that God can take care of all the stuff behind them. Let's start giving people a picture of their future. Let's start giving people a picture of what God has in store for them. Let's give people a picture of what is yet to happen, yet to become, yet to take place, yet for you to do. What is ahead of you? See, the enemy is okay with you living in your past. He's okay with you stuck right where you're at if you never take one step in the things that God has in front of you. But we've got to become confident. Condemnation comes to suck out any confidence you have. You ever met a condemned person that lives condemned, constantly reminded of what they've done, constantly reminded of where they've blown it? There's no confidence. There's no confidence. Condemnation will never remind you of your future. That's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation, the devil comes in and reminds you of what you have done. Conviction, the Holy Spirit shows up and says, this is what you could do. This is what you can do. 
This is what you have yet to do. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you don't want to do that because it will compromise this. Hey, you don't want to go there because it's going to rob you of this. Hey, you don't want to touch that because so many times people, and look, sometimes we misjudge the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we call it condemnation. And what do we do? We reject it. When he's trying to help us, conviction says you want to lay that down because there's this ahead of you. Condemnation does the opposite. Condemnation will never point you to your future. Condemnation will never point you to what you have yet to do. I don't care what kind of parent you've been to this date. I don't care what kind of husband or spouse or, or, or wife you've been. I don't care what kind of boss or employer or employee you've been. I don't care what, what you have what role you have fulfilled in life. I don't care what you've thought about, done, looked at, seen, talked about, talked about who. I don't care about any of it. From this day forward, your future is still in front of you. So let's quit compromising our future. Let's quit doing the work of the devil for him and put down condemnation. Separate ourselves. I want to read Romans chapter 5 what we just read to you. I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation because it's new and it's living. (laughs) New Living Translation. Romans chapter five, verse 12. And I'm sure the guys are scrambling back there to get it up there for us so you can see it too. Romans chapter five, verse 12. When Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. There's one thing, there's one marker of those that are living in condemnation. They tend to repeat what they are being condemned of. They tend to live in the cycle of sin. Because condemnation doesn't bring freedom. Conviction brings freedom. Conviction says this is how we break this. Conviction says this is how you stop looking at that. Conviction says this is how you stop drinking that, smoking that, doing that. Conviction is how you stop thinking that. Conviction is stop how you act like that. Conviction is where you break the chain. Condemnation only wants to impose the sin back upon you and keep you bound. Conviction is the life of a slave. 
and condemnation is your master. But conviction says we want to set you free. We want to lift the burden. We want to open up your future, open you up to the destiny and the purpose that God has. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, Jesus, by the way, being the second Adam, because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through that whole discourse, he concludes, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The believer should not be bound by condemnation, by the weight and the burden of the sin that was once already taken care of. Jesus didn't just die for the sin. He died that the weight and the burden of the sin could come off. So condemnation keeps us bound. Condemnation keeps us stuck. Condemnation keeps us locked in. Condemnation will cause us to live in the cycle of the sin that we keep committing. And God says, I'm going to break that. I'm going to break the cycle by convicting you by the Holy Spirit and showing you of your future, showing you what is ahead of you, showing you what is yet to come. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.